Welcome to the Virtual Staff Room, a podcast made for teachers by teachers and all with a dash of educational technology thrown in. My name is Joachim Cohen and today I'm joined by another member of the Technology for Learning team, Linda Lazenby. Welcome, Linda. Hi, Joe. Welcome to Term 2. So what do we have in store for you today? It's a focus on tech for good and we are heading to the skies. Let's get straight into it. Now, many of you will have heard of drones, seen them in parks or beaches, or read a news story about them delivering parcels or coffee. But what about if we use them for good? How about enabling the efficient and effective delivery of time-saving vaccines, medications, and other essential services to rural and remote areas that are otherwise really hard to access? Today, we have someone rather inspirational swooping in. Someone who leads a company that won the New York Times Good Tech Award in 2018 a company that pioneered the world's first drone-delivered vaccine, someone who is also a former RAAF pilot, and that is Eric Peck, CEO of Swoop, an exciting new company that is all about using drones for good. Welcome, Eric. Thanks very much for having me on today. Oh, Eric, it is our pleasure. And I know we've almost given the game away in the introduction, but did you want to tell us a little bit about a little bit more about Swoop before we get underway? Yeah, definitely. Um, so Swoopera was uh, founded in 2017 by uh, myself and my co-founder, Josh Tepper, to transform the way the world moves essential supplies by making access to the air seamless. And what we do is we integrate drone logistics into the first and last mile of the health supply chain to increase its strength and agility. And where we can't provide that service ourselves, we partner with organisations very selectively around the world to further the reach of their impact with our technology platform. Uh, we're based out of Melbourne. We've got about 40 staff and we, uh, we deliver medical logistics networks all over the world. Fantastic. Um, can you provide us with some examples of the projects that Swoop have um, completed and the impact it's having on people's lives? Yeah, definitely. So in 2018, uh, we won the world's first tender for uh, medical drone logistics, which was run by UNICEF and the government of Vanuatu to provide a vaccine distribution service across their island groups. And so we kicked it off in uh, 2018, and that's where we became the first company in the world to deliver a vaccine by a drone, uh, which was really exciting. Uh, in 2019, we won another tender to commence operations in the Democratic Republic of the Congo, um, and we're still running our operations there today after expanding significantly over the last six months. Um, which provides uh, medical logistics to an area 10 times the size of the Australian Capital Territory uh, for about a million people in one of the hardest to reach places deep in the middle of Central Africa. Uh, later in 2019, we also commenced operations in Northern Malawi and expanded our service to Southern Malawi now, which has been running uh, for just, just on 18 months, uh, providing a couple of million people in the south of Malawi uh, alongside USAID, UKAID, uh, and um, other aid organisations to distribute medical supplies outbound and pick up pathology samples and bring them back in. Gee whiz, Eric, I can tell you I am blown away by what you do every day and the awesome good that you are achieving. And I'm really interested to know what, what sparked your journey? Where did the inspiration come from? 
Yeah, well, definitely. As you said, I kind of started my career as an Air Force pilot. I completed an MBA and moved into management consultant consulting, uh, working at a small firm called Pollen in Sydney that's grown massively, and then then at Deloitte. Um, and while I was working at Deloitte, I just serendipitously met with my co-founder Josh Tepper. So he's a robotics engineer. So if you can imagine uh, big arms on con- on the Tesla factory putting cars together, or the world's biggest 3D printer printing the Thames Tideway tunnel panels, um, that's what he was doing. And we got posed this question uh, with you know his background in engineering and mine as an Air Force pilot around could a drone be used to move chemotherapy medication in regional New South Wales? And we kind of went, well, the answer is yes. You, could, you can use a drone to transport uh, a kilogram of medical supplies 100 kilometres once. But we stepped back and we thought, what did a system look like to do that you know, sustainably, reliably, and in a scalable way every day of the week? And so we set aside building that system. Um, we won that first tender. We got some in investment funding from some of the top firms in Australia and it's, it's just taken off ever since. Mm. So some of those complex parts to delivering medication sounds quite tricky, you know, temperatures and the time that things can be kept and I suppose the access point only for medical professionals. Can you talk to us about some of the technology involved to make sure that all happens? Yeah, definitely. So we've got the aircraft itself, um, which we build and we've developed here in Melbourne, but on the medical on the medical side, we kind of from day one, we knew we were going to be transporting uh, vaccines outbound and then blood samples inbound. And they've got some pretty unique characteristics. Most vaccines uh, need to be kept between two and eight degrees Celsius, so a really tight temperature range. And in fact, the Ebola vaccine that we transport in the Congo has to be kept at minus 70. So that's the same as the, the current vaccine is being put out for um, COVID-19. And so we basically had to be able to you know, carry... The, uh, in the aircraft, a little a mini esky, basically, um, be able to take off and land vertically to fly from a hospital to a small healthcare centre and fly back, and keep the keep the medical supplies at temperature the whole time. And so, you know, we've kind of built all the flight control systems on the aircraft are, are built and developed here in Melbourne. Um, we use artificial intelligence um, to basically monitor how healthy the aircraft is while it's flying. Do the same job a pilot would do to make sure that everything's functioning correctly. And if something's not looking great, knowing when to turn around or when to turn around and land into another location so that we're not in the air in an unsafe way. And then, uh, and the last bit of the puzzle there is linking that all back up in the cloud with lots and lots of data to look at how we can optimise the supply chain and how we can do things like predictive maintenance and analytics on the aircraft so that we can keep that network running as efficiently as possible. Wow, this just sounds like you're running a, you are, you're running a mini airline there with all the, you know, the different parts yeah, and components. I think, I think, I think um, we were doing more flights per day than Qantas <laughs> were during most of, uh, most of 2020. It helps that Joe's passion, Eric, is aviation. So he's actually having his best day right now. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> that is for sure. Just hearing it, it sounds, um, yeah, you've got your own little mini airport, off you go and and all these other exciting, you know, data and statistics that sit behind that, that I know some of our, you know, teachers out there and students that they'd be connecting with would just be going, wow, I'd really want to get my teeth into lots of components like that. And we can start to see how you've got so many different people involved. It's, it's amazing. Yeah, definitely. I think that uh, the ability to kind of pull it all together and, and work in that STEM space in Australia is really fantastic. Yeah, and let's uh, we kind of want to keep that going a little bit because I think we hear that you actually 3D print a lot of your drones and design them as well. Can you tell us about the process that you went through and all the iterations and maybe the iterations you're continuing to make as time's evolved? 
Yeah, definitely. That's right. The aircraft themselves are 3D printed over a carbon fiber skeleton. So imagine we build the skeleton out of nice, strong carbon fiber, uh, 3D print all the panels that go in over the top and then full of, full of cutting edge electronics to make it fly. Um, it's actually, you know, right now we have 18 3D printers running 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Um, so we have people coming on shifts and every 24 hours they change the prints over and, and we keep on going. Uh, and we identified really early on that one thing to, to build a successful technology product is to, to get a product, you know, they call it a min viable product, or for us it was a minimum safe product, so it was safe to fly from an aviation perspective, and then get that into the market alongside people who are really using it. So Vanuatu, Malawi, DRC, and learn about, you know, how, how it needs to be different when it's actually in use. And, and 3D printing enabled us to do that because we could very rapidly iterate on little bits of the design to make it really, really usable, really, really reliable, um, and really, really user-friendly. And so we're currently on our, our fifth-generation aircraft which is ready to be released in, in kind of the next few months. But leading up to that, we're currently uh, using a combination of our third and our fourth overseas. Um, they've slowly incorporated in all kinds of new designs from different shapes on the pods to a different tail structure through to through nice little wing fairings that we've learned going to improve the usability of the design all the way through. That's so incredible. And to share with um, the opportunity to share that with students and teachers, how you've iterated that process would be fantastic. Um, I'm curious to know more about your operations in Australia. What, what's the plan and how are you going to make an impact here? So we've actually been conducting our, our research and development flight operations in Australia for a couple of years now. And we're really excited uh, to have been able to announce that we're surely going to commence commercial operations in Australia. Um, the initial project uh, is alongside, or the initial pilot network, I should say, is alongside uh, Terry White Chemmart and Symbian Pharmaceutical, and we're going to be delivering uh, medical supplies, so prescription pharmaceuticals, uh, from Terry White Chemmart in Gundawindi to two locations within 130 kilometres or to the farm within 130 kilometres of the chemist, basically saving people, uh, you know, in some cases, a several-hour drive to get to the chemist and pick up their prescription pharmaceutical, rather they can uh, pull out an online form and get that delivered to their house, kind of monitor the flight through an app, know when it's arriving and have it dropped off for them close to home. Um, and that initial pilot networks, we're working really close with the aviation regulator, the Civil Aviation Safety Authority, and a number of different medical organisations just to prove that this can work in Australia because we know that uh, it works overseas. It is, it is a working, functioning product. And... And so we're going to partner with a few people here in Australia to start that impact by working in regional areas and then look at how integrating air transport by drone into the health supply chain, you know, progressively closer and closer to our cities can actually help everyone have a better quality of healthcare delivered through, through a seamless supply chain. It's um it's so awesome and I don't know why but I'm I'm getting you know thoughts going back as to when in the past a lot of times pharmacies used to deliver you know by bike a lot of their supplies and it's like we're going back to the future um but forward to the future all at the same time uh it's very very cool the work you're doing Eric that's for sure now you have become an entrepreneur a tech yeah, thank guru thank you I, I definitely hope it's back to the future. <laughs> 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, I can tell you, I think our, our teachers, our students are going to be so, so um, you know, excited to hear what you've done and the, and the amazing story that you've had, you know, hearing that you, you know, you were an aviator, you've become a designer, you've become an entrepreneur, a tech guru, and you've really chased those dreams that have been, you know, put out there for you. What advice do you have for students with big ideas? Definitely. I think uh, for, for people growing up, here in Australia, really, the world is your oyster. Um, you have the opportunity to, you know, do anything and achieve anything if you really want to. And so, my advice to students would to, to be to be fearless and bold with their ideas they're looking at pursuing. Uh, to work hard at them. None of this is easy, but with uh, with hard work and and focusing on what you're doing, uh, you can achieve anything you want. And uh, and finally, just to, to dream big, I think would be the final one. So, you know, you've, the bigger you can dream, um, if you're willing to work hard and be bold with what you're doing, you'll be able to achieve it. Mm. And so, you know, the world of drones seems to be getting bigger every day. You know, how else, aside from what you're doing, can you see dream, drones being used for good? While um, the, use, the use cases for drones are increasing, you know, every day as we see them uh, being more seamlessly uh, integrated uh, into the air, uh, in around us. And, and while our operations today have been really focused on delivering that impact in the health supply chain, mm-hmm. uh, we can see a lot of use cases in adjacent industries that are going to have that really good societal impact areas that we're going to be looking to operate in into the future. And so some examples of things like that are uh, disaster response and search and rescue, um, uh, disaster prepare- preparedness, so things like being able to capture footage of areas that might flood, which is relevant to New South Wales at the moment. That's something we're actively doing in Malawi at the moment. Um, and then uh, basically expanding uh, out beyond healthcare in the in the movement space. And what else can we be moving that's going to create positive social impact for people? Is it uh, food or water purification tablets alongside the World Health Organization? Now, what are these other use cases where we can move products from A to B or get something to a three-dimensional point in space at an exact time that's going to generate social impact on the ground? So I think our next steps are going to be in that disaster response, uh, search and rescue, um, and then also disaster preparedness as the three areas that we'll be moving into next. Oh, I think you're certainly blowing our minds and warming our hearts all at the same time, you know, with what you've got planned, Eric. And you sound very humble, but um, what you're doing certainly is going to have huge impact. And I think a lot of our students listening to this, you know, may now be keen to explore a career in aviation, knowing what good it can do, either small um, or large. And I was wondering what skills do you think they need and how can they start to get prepared today? Yeah, definitely. The first thing I'd, I'd like to say to everyone is that definitely study, you know, the STEM subjects, um, particularly around technology. Everything in the future is going to be very technology centric. Um, even in aviation, as we have increasing levels of autonomy, there's going to be a lot of high tech opportunities out there. So, you know, keep up your, your technology subjects, English, uh, maths, physics, chemistry, they're going to be essential for mm. you. Um, and then basically just the, you know, I've kind of already touched on it, but the real skills are, you know, that that grit to get ahead, um, be bold and chase your dreams, and then uh, also just that inquisitive mind, the you know, problem solving, um, you know, innovative problem solving, and, and all those kind of things that lead towards how can we use technology uh, to make the world a better place. And I think they're the core skills in, in aviation, large or small, that are going to be really, really useful as we as we look forward to the next twenty or fifty years. 
Oh, absolutely. I think we, we were nodding here in, in, um, in concurrence with those thoughts, Eric, I can tell you. And um, absolutely, we want to be inspiring our Great students advice. to... Yeah, be curious, all those other kind of things, absolutely. Now, the next question we haven't prepared you for, Eric, and it's one we ask to every one of our guests, and you, you might have listened into a very famous podcast uh, that gets released over in the UK called Desert Island Discs, where they're asked what kind of um, you know record you would take with you to a desert island if you were stranded there, but of course we're a technology podcast, so instead we've got rocket ship robots. So what piece of technology would you take with you if you are stuck on a rocket going into outer space what would it be stuck on a rocket going out of space is is quite a challenging question to ask <laughs> um i mean with a piece of technology you'd almost have to say something like a a a, a tablet or a smartphone that's loaded with books to read um and i'm going to say that because that's Going into outer space for journeys at seven months to get to Mars, you're probably going to run out of Netflix movies in seven <laughs> months. Um, and maybe if it's a tablet, you can use it to send some emails back home as well uh, and communicate with your loved ones um, and also have a lot of a lot of really interesting material to read. So I'd have to say I'm going to go with a tablet, um, a tablet computer that you can use to communicate back home and loaded with a 1,000 books. Is that okay? Awesome. Oh. No wrong answers. Absolutely, absolutely. And I like that one about the books being, you know, preloaded, especially from someone so embedded in the technology industry. You know, that idea of, of being able to slowly gain information and look back on the past as well through books um, is fantastic. So, Eric... Thank you so much. We are just so honoured, I can tell you, to have had you and the inspiration that you provided to all of our listeners and I think the amazing message of social good that you've got behind uh, Swoop and the work that you do. So thank you so much for speaking with us. Yeah, thank you very much for having me on. It's been a pleasure. So, Linda, what an amazing Tech for Good story. What did you take away? I think exactly that, Joe. the idea that we can share with our students and teachers and our school communities the skills that our students have around technology and how that can be used for good. Um, I know both you and I talked about it afterwards and, and there is so much uh, amazingness that we can share with our students around that story that Swoop are doing. So, yeah, so much. Actually, maybe a little bit too much. You? Yeah, I, I really like that message you've thought about how we can use our talents, our skills and technology, you know, for good, that's for sure. And I also think that I was listening to Eric and the many careers that he's taken. So he started off, you know, as a, as a RAF pilot and then he's had so many different, you know, pathways after that, working for Deloitte and now, you know, being the CEO of Swoop. And I think that that's a great message for our students and for our teachers. You, you know, only got one life, but you can have many, many different types of careers. So pretty exciting. And um, before we go on though, Linda, what would you use a drone for good for? I want to know. I, I suppose in light of that conversation, it could really help with the COVID vaccination because he was talking about vaccination programs in third world countries. Uh, we're not a third world, but it would be great to help our rural and remote brothers and sisters, I suppose, um, get access to that vaccination a bit quicker. What about yeah. you? What's your next for drones? Oh, look, I've just, my mind has just blown away here. I was starting to think about, you know, endangered animals. So you could actually take them by drone back to their habitat, drop them in, but then you can keep an eye on them. 
Like if there's any poachers around, you can have like the drone that's watching around and saying, don't you go near that animal. You know, that kind of thing. Protection, repatriation. But, you know, then I love cars. So it's got to be about NRMA. Are you listening? So could you have like the drone that comes out to recharge the electric car that's run out of juice in the middle of the road? That kind of thing. Or the drone that recognises a poor driver and and kind of gives them some kind of ping to... I really like that one. That sounds good. Follow me. It's like a follow me thing when you get stuck and caught. Yeah. Sometimes it's really nervous drivers getting onto the highway. They don't know what to do. They get stuck and they're frozen. There's a lot we could do with those drones. And Eric just tip of the iceberg. Oh, so exciting. I can't wait to see some ideas that our students have in the future. Now, if you are like us, you might be thinking about how to inspire your students to use tech for good. So, Linda, do we have some suggestions to get people started? Well, I had a really easy connection to Eric's story. Uh, Our STEM sesh, our live student incursions that we run, we've started recording them and we have one on the Army drone racing team. A great resource with um, some learning activities to match to it for any of your students that are interested in all things drones. Uh, And on our website, we also have some information around using drones in schools and where that sits in terms of safety as well. Oh, absolutely. You've got to make sure if you do want to use drones in your classroom, make sure you read that advice first. The link is in the show notes. That is for sure. What have you found? Well, great question, Linda. I mean, I'm excited. I just heard that the Game Changer Challenge for 2021 is now open. So schools might want to sign up. I think it's open until I'm going to date this a little tiny bit here until the end of April, I believe, so that submissions are open. So you should still have a little bit of time to get your entry in. And it's all about how can you use technology to solve, you know, real world problems. I don't know what the challenge is going to be this year, but I reckon someone somewhere is going to use a drone to solve that problem or other tech for good. So that's my definite go-to. I feel like you might have a hint on the challenge because maybe you might be involved in creating the challenge. Oh, I might just have a little bit of an idea on what they're planning. That's for sure. And I'm excited. The, the organising team are just amazing, Linda. So I can't wait to see what comes out. And students and teachers get connected. Excellent. So whilst we often have the last word in our podcast, from now on, we want to give you a voice. In the last few episodes, we have heard from Rebecca and from Bahia with some Jamboard jams. And so to close us out today is a little gem of techno wizardry wisdom from Anthony, one of our amazing colleagues at the New South Wales Department of Education. Hi, Joe, Linda and Yvette. Anthony here. My tip is for teachers looking to start moving their schools across from Google Drive into Microsoft Teams. If you've got staff with lots of files stored in Google Drive, consider making a URL tab in your team that links directly to that Google Drive. That way teachers can access all their files directly through Teams. There's no need to copy anything across. Your teachers will get all the benefits of Teams without losing any of their existing files. Thanks. Linda, how warm is your heart feeling? Very. A technology for good story is a pretty great way to start the term. Oh, an amazing guest. The best tip of techno wizardry wisdom. What a jam-packed episode, that's for sure. And can you believe we're already in term two? Any ideas of what we have planned for the rest of the year in virtual staff room? We're working on it. You will just have to listen, wait and see. This podcast has been produced by the masterful Jacob Druce with the assistance and supreme coordination of the entire Technology for Learning team. Before we go, please make sure you send us through your comments, your word of techno wizardry wisdom and your thoughts for new guests and segments. And if you like the podcast, 
give us a rating so more and more educators find us and be inspired to get a little techie in the classroom. Stay curious, stay compassionate, get innovating everyone and thanks for joining us. Just a little note, please be aware that all views expressed by the podcast presenters, that's us, are our personal opinions and not representative of the New South Wales Department of Education. Discussions aren't endorsements of third-party products, services or events. And please note that as much as we sound like it, we are not experts in legalese, tech speak or anything in between. We're just passionate people keen to boost technology for learning in the classroom and to help build the skills in your students and for you to solve the problems of tomorrow. Do your due diligence, read further, and if we've got something wrong, let us know. We too are always learning and always improving.